Hello and welcome to the Bleeding Heart Scotchcast. On this week's episode, comings and goings at Downing Street, we give you our feelings on Netflix's The Crown, and we gnash our gums about why Douglas Ross has a challenge in the upcoming Scottish elections. Thanks for joining us, let's get at it. Okay, so Brian. Hello, how's it going? Where were where were you the other week when you heard the great news that we were going? We're going to the Euros. To the Euros, mate. I was in my kitchen. I was with my uh, flatmates uh, who were we were all one household, and we had it on the projector. We were I don't know if we have a projector. We had it on a wee laptop on a, on a wee still. Uh, we had a we ordered a big munchie box with donor meat, chicken pakora beef pakora, chips, all the pita bread, all the dips you could want. We had our Scotland tops on. We had our flags at the ready. We had a tenants in hand. This is the most Scottish we could ever be. However, when the fifth goal, uh, the fifth Serbian goal got stopped by our man whose name now escapes me because I'm a fake fan. It's uh, Saint David Marshall, I think. He's David Marshall, that's it, David Marshall. When David Marshall stopped that Serbian goal. A strong feeling of Caledonia <laughs> raced through my heart as we screamed down the kitchen, we had made it into the Euros. Oh, now the first yeah. now I live just I live not far off George Square. Um the first thing we did was we there was quite a lot of us. We all went straight to George Square. And it turns out people in other student halls had the same idea. Um, so as close to the distance as we as we could be, um, we we plowed, plowed straight into George Square, singing every bit of good banter that we could get out of our voices. We were screaming loud. We were waving our flags. Um, this boy got got pantsed. It was funny, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, um, it was a great night. And it started raining, and we left after about thirty minutes. But it was it was it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, like, so I I had told the lads, I was like, listen, no one can see me. And no matter what state I'm going to be in, no one can see me. And I just locked myself in my grot and I was like, right, I'm watching this. And I'm sticking with it, you know. Um, and I was, like, ecstatic for 90 minutes. And I was like, this is happening. This is actually happening. And then it's just the Scotland way, isn't it? Just that last minute, yep. you were just like, oh, what's going on? minute. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And then penalties... And I was just bricking it, and I was abs- I was screaming yeah. at the television. I was absolutely screaming. And then as soon as David Marshall saved it, I was like, "Okay, this yep. is me now. This is me. I'm I'm happy now." And I was ecstatic. I was like crying, mate. I was all over the place. I was like, I was phoning everyone. I was like, "Oh, I can't believe this." I was in the right state. Um, <laughs> and then people just kept telling me to shut up from like two doors down and everything. Like that. I was like, "Oh, I don't care. I'm so so happy about this." Um. For, for us, uh, well, I mean, like, I'm I'm not the biggest football fan in the world, not the biggest football fan in the world. I do like football, um, but like everyone would just scream how big a deal it was, and I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously I understood, um, but like it was just I've never felt that from uh, football fans before. Just that elation that um, all over my Facebook, you know, people were crying, being like, "Yes, uh, like uh, we finally made it!" Like. Um, as well as that, there's people alive. I mean, this is hard to believe, but there's people alive today that weren't even 
that weren't born when Scotland were last in the Euros. Yeah. Um, so this this is something. This is something pretty big. You know? Yeah. This is like this is they had never they've never seen it happen. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I was born, but I was only like two or three at the time. So I mean, even I haven't seen Scotland go to an international competition and mm-hmm. and do well. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's just something fantastic for the nation. I think that I think we needed it though. You know, I think after the year we've had, yes. we needed it. We we just it was something 100%. we were desperate for. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I I think. Are we going to get into the World Cup next? Is that is that what's next for Scotland? Are we going to win the World Cup? Well, I mean, let's be optimistic. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know. I think we're in a position now who are on a high, so anything goes. Um, and you know, we're just buzzing to get started again. But we we came through a pretty easy route, to be honest. I mean, we came through the Nations League, which is slightly different than what like other previous Scotland teams had done. Um, but who knows just who knows i think i'm I'm still elated just now you know i might not sound it but i am still buzzing inside from it just now um, I, I, was, I was i was saying to a couple of my friends yesterday that scotland uh, is in the euros and who knows how well they'll do even if they get kicked out of the of like the first round or whatever uh they, they get let go very early in the tournament um it Scotland fans will still be elated at the fact that they got in in the first place. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, just just I mean, even just being there. The that they've been kicked out, but um, but they'll but they'll, they'll still be like chatting about it. And so, yes, sir, I can boogie will remain the national oh. anthem for a good few years. Oh, I just I, I love that. I and love I that. I actually don't like that song very much, but you know, <laughs> it's it's in my head now because of because of it. I, I, uh, where, where are they in the church right now? Oh, I, I don't know. It's something like. It was third last time I checked. Uh, well, it's fifty seventh in the official UK charts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but where was it before? Like you know, one hundred fiftieth or something like that. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, was it uh, even on the charts? I don't uh, like it's an it's an old song. I doubt it was on the charts. Um, no, it wouldn't have been on the charts at all. But like because of because of um, because of this, uh, they just shot straight up. But they, they were third in the Scottish charts the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so last week, Dominic Cummings left Downing Street for the last time. He was shown the door by his Vote Leave populist veteran friend, the Prime Minister. Uh, he left rather unceremoniously via the front door for all the world to see, always carrying Brexit tears in a cardboard box. Now, I'm not one to gloat, Brian, but this is, this is pretty good news, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think we're generally happy about this. Um, 100%, 100%. I think because... As Ramona's, or like as as people who voted Remain, I think dirty lefties, uh, dirty lefties. You know what I mean? Like I think after Brexit on Civil War, that film, um, I think just a general loathing of Dominic Cummings, like just sort of came about, and just I think we were all waiting for him to mess up, you know. Yes. And I think he just messed up one too many times for the Prime Minister to handle. Um, apparently there was a bit of infighting, there was a bit of like power playing and everything like that. Um, you know, this this old advisor, I can't remember his name, but I think it was like something Kane, Mr. Kane anyway. Mm. He was punted out for some reason. It's all very house of cardsy. But what your what's your take on it, Brian? Happy? Sad? I like it. Um, but I mean, am I optimistic? You know, th- this just might be the Scottish way, but I guess not. I mean, there's this, this just one Tory out of 360 left um 
So, who's Dominic Cummings going to be replaced by? Someone even Yeah, I, I think the thing is, though, like, this is the Tory. You know what I mean? Like, this is the Tory. Um, and one of the final bosses. Yeah, one of the final bosses. I mean, you know, this, this, like, I love how spit an image just make him out as some sort of alien. Do you know what Can I mean? I but eat this baby. <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, I, I just find people kind of characterise them as this sort of Machiavellian, uber clever, uber smart character that was the kind of puppet master behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and now he's gone. But that just makes you think, like you said, you know, who just who's filling in the role? Um, mm-hmm. At that point, at this point, I don't think anyone knows. Like, but it's something that's that's very interesting, yeah. Yeah, of course. Like naturally, uh, when the Secretary of State for Scotland, uh, David Mundell, got replaced with uh, Alistair Jack, um, Alistair Union Jack, rather, um, you know, the, the, there were some jubilations when David Mundell wasn't given the role, but given to someone else. Like, I'm I'm not sure why we're celebrating, because it's just going to be replaced with yet another Conservative that equally doesn't have an awful lot of fondness for Scotland. Um, we're, so with Dominic Cummings getting removed, yes, I think I think that's great. But you know the Conservatives are still in power, and they will still put their own people in. It's not like they're going to put you know uh, a green like the Green Party uh, MP in, as as fantastic as that would be. Um, is is more of the same, and I don't the, the only way anyone can have really have uh, that's not Conservative. The only way someone can really have joy. Uh, politically right now is when we have another election and the Tories lose. Yeah, which they probably inevitably will. Um, at some I point mean, in time. At some point. Yeah, at some point in time. But I'll I mean, Sorry, I mean, I, I look at it and I think there was a bit of power play. Apparently, apparently it was something like the prime minister's fiance um, had a tiff with him or didn't like that crowd or that clique, and and it's, it's almost as if as soon as he's gone the tone has changed. You know, they've, they've just released the, this kind of like more green incentive. Um, the, uh, one of the things Dominic Cummings was going to do was he was going to slash military fund, not slash military funding, but rework military funding in that sort of way. Um, I just do wonder how much of a deal that is, being that the arms trade is so big. Yeah, There's a lot of Tory, Tory donors that are head of these arms, arms trading companies. Um, and when they began to hear... Dominic Cummings start murmuring that. I wonder if they stepped in and just said, "No, no, no, we, we need to get rid of this guy." Or if it was a culmination of all of these things. Possibly. Um, but certainly, in his in his previous life, he's always been one for ruffling people up and 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 sort of being a bit of a a grenade in a room and just mm-hmm. disrupting it. You know. Of course. Uh, but again, yeah. these these things are just going to be fascinating to play out. Of course, like um, I think we're also glossing over the the whole Barnard Castle incident as well. Um, oh, yeah, I think it's just yeah. been a collect, like you say, it's a combination of things, and it's just come to a head. Or maybe he's just eaten too many babies. <laughs> I think he just has to go back to the mothership. I think, mate, that's just the issue. But Excellent I, five. <laughs> like I think that the 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 Barnard Castle thing was just it was bait for the remain side of the of the of the vote wasn't it i mean you know and and as soon as as soon as he did it as well because the eyes the eyes really hadn't come off him since that since channel four made that film um you know and and people were kind of waiting for him to kind of mess up and and wondering what he was going to say and and all this all this different kind of stuff and as soon as he did it i think that was just a again we talked about the last episode but it was just like you know the men in gray suits are coming in you know and i think that's the way that 
the Conservative Party has sort of been ran in, in previous times, and it's just something that we're going to have to that we'll watch from the outside mm-hmm. and, and, and really just be disgusted by in our kind of socialist kind of way. Yeah. Um, but that's just how they operate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, neither of us like the Conservative Party. Let's not, no, uh, no, let, no. let's not be around the bush here. Um, but I, I can't help but feel nothing but disgust for how they treat their own members. Um, like we saw it with uh, what's his face, uh, Jackson Carlaw, um, being replaced with Douglas Ross, and now Dominic Cummings. Um, <laughs> it's like it, they, they are unfortunately a very um, you know I, I don't even know what the best way to describe it is like a well a well but badly run party. <laughs> yeah. It's a machine. It's a machine. That's what it is. Yeah, it's a machine um, that t- that takes no one prisoner. Not even yeah, no members. I, I think even just to add to that, like. I, like it discussed it the way that the party treats its own voters now, you know, because even, you know, in, in that 2019 election, which was almost a year ago, that's how mad this year has been. But, yes. you know, like even a year ago now, where we look at like the working class Tory, you know, this meme of like the working class Tory, a capitalist that doesn't have any capital, but it's the kind of, it's the way that they got those votes because of Brexit yes. and yet they shafted Manchester during the pandemic you know mm-hmm. and it's just the way that they will continue to slash the NHS they will continue to to mismanage public sectors and and, and welfare systems and things like that mm-hmm. because that's just what they do yes. you know they promote the private sector and even the fact that they're doing that and then you know looking at these people who are vulnerable and who voted for them and just seeing them as kind of fodder for the private sector, I think is, yeah. is, is just disgusting. And it's something that Scotland has rejected year after year after year after year, with the exception of kind of like rural, um, you know, and border, like no voting places. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way that they, they treat anyone, really. I mean, they're just all just awful, I think, is the, yeah. the bottom line. Um, but yeah, I think to kind of look at it in a kind of, as the world's eyes are on, the UK at the minute, as the world's eyes are on America at the minute, and and the new that that transition happens from Trump to Biden. Certainly, maybe his um, his advisors, um, his national security advisor, people like that, um, who are looking round at Europe and, and and looking at how the wind is blowing there, mm-hmm. um, and possibly just as as all as all we've said before, as all the kind of accumulation of errors and and stuff like that happens. Uh, around Dominic Cummings and, and we see that he was and and you know the the public portray him as that Machiavellian character and they'll pick that up you know the the geeks over in America um to see him leave would probably be a better sign to a better show to give to the US to say we're, we're ready to move on from that now so I maybe think there is it is coincidence but lucky and happy coincidence at the same time for the conservatives Yes, um, I mean, as well as that, like, um, we can also remember that uh, that fascism is being, uh, you know, rejected elsewhere as well. This uh, not just in here. Um, you know, we, 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 it was quite a while ago, but um, in within Trump's presidency, we have seen Le Pen being rejected from the French presidency as well. Um, everyone is really looking for alternatives, but I don't think the world has. Like, will turn to fascism, or at least not now, not for now, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly the the dangerous right wing populism has been has been shown the door 
in a in a mm-hmm. way um, in these yes. kind of Western developed countries who are better than that, who are better than yes. you know the the kind of object objectification of fear um, as a sort of political vice. Um, yes. I mean, a lot it always will be that, but I think to see it being rejected in such a way is, is promising for us really, and I think it's where it's where an independent Scotland fits, isn't it? You know, it's in the it's in the modern developed uh, nation. that knows how to run a country you know and i think that's the best thing for it so last weekend netflix released another series of its critically acclaimed the crown um which follows the lives of the royal family obviously dramatized and not particularly fictional brian did you watch it no but i have seen shrek too (laughs) <laughs> well, to be honest, mate, they're, they're very similar. They're very similar in their own way. I love um, Shrek too. It's the best film there is. Well, I'll be honest here, and I'll put myself out there. I sat on Sunday and watched every single episode because here's 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 my rant now. Here here it comes. Okay, so I actually like The Crown. Okay, I think it's a good show. I think it's well made. I think Erin Doherty as Princess Anne. Um, I think the casting's great. I mean, but but she particularly is, is excellent. Um, I think the the young lady they've got. I say young lady. She's like the same age as me, but like you know the the actress that uh, they got to play mm-hmm. Diana was 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 excellent as well. Um, I thought the acting was really good. Okay, and that's where my uh, my sort of praise for it kind of stops because when I watched it, and and I mean uh, in previous seasons it's been very interesting because it is. It's not actually about the crown. It's about, it's about the history of Britain. Okay, it, it transitions through, uh, I think that a couple of episodes ago, they, they talked, uh, episodes, seasons ago, they talked about Aberfan. You, you know, they, they talked about the, the downfall of the empire in, in, in season one and, and, and sort of Queen Elizabeth coming into her, or Elizabeth Windsor coming into her, her role as, as queen. But what I saw was just, and even though it's dramatized, was the utmost opulence and arrogance and just needless amounts of state-given wealth to a family that don't do much. Now, I was never a monarchist before. I'm still not really now. I'm more Republican. But I was honestly disgusted, especially as we moved into the kind of modern era. So like when it talks about Thatcher, you know, Thatcher wasn't too far behind us when we were born and stuff like that, you know. But just complete an utter rage at the fact that these people get paid a wage and get paid extravagant amounts to live in opulence and have wealth as well, not just like liquid wealth, but assets and stuff like that, that honestly disgusted me. And every time I watched, I I watched it. I kept, I kept, every time I saw a scene, I just thought 4 million children living in poverty, half a million pensioners living in poverty. And these people live the life that they do. And it's all just, as they would say, a bit of fun. You know, and it just made me think there is absolutely no need for a monarchy in this modern developed age. Uh, it completely turned my, it completely opened my eyes. Even previous seasons have done it in some sort of way, but this one in particular, because of the crudeness and cruelness of it. And the fact that these people would go off and complain about how hard their lives were, <laughs> having really not done a decent, honest day's work in their life because they'd been told that they were destined to rule. And honestly, I was just disgusted by it. I can't imagine the need for a monarchy 
um, post-indie. But I don't know. So end of rant, end of uh, end of my end of my dialogue. But Brian, what's just your opinion on on the monarchy in general? And then we'll talk about a monarchy and an independent Scotland as well. So my opinion on the monarchy is different from my opinion on Shrek Two. I think Shrek Two is probably one of the best animated films of all time, and I dare say that Shrek Two is actually more relevant than the monarchy. <laughs> Um, you know, the Shre- Shrek 2 gives enjoyment, it gives humour, it gives lessons. And the one thing it do- doesn't do is portray the monarchy as something to be jealous of. Shrek doesn't want to be a king, he wants to be an ogre. And I think that's a better message than the royal family give about... <laughs> We shouldn't strive for opulence, wealth, and you know, being on the front of covers. We should just strive to be eating more onions, you know? Um, <laughs> so I believe the monarchy shouldn't exist in such a, uh, such a time. Because I think the one thing we need to remember that uh, why monarchies exist in the first place. So monarchy exists or existed uh, to provide protection, to provide um, uh, titles, to provide government for you know for peasants, for uh, for medieval society, and also from a religious point of view, they were God's chosen appointment for running the country, God's um, God's ambassadors um, to uh, to provide government. But now we find ourselves in a society that isn't run by religion, that doesn't have um, the church having a say in absolutely everything. And without that, what use does the monarchy have these days? Now, you'll get, you'll get all these, uh, these people, particularly the Rangers fans, that will say... Um, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Shade. We saw that video. We, we all saw that video. Um, <laughs> But you will get a lot of people, uh, regardless of their uh, football uh, alignment, that will say that the Queen brings in however many million pounds for t- in tourism. And that is arguable, of course. Maybe she does do that. And there will definitely be at least one, one tourist on, on a flight, uh, on a British Airways flight coming over to London to hopefully get a glance at the Queen. Very good. Good for them. The one thing that I think a lot of people forget is that we, are, we have chosen one family, one dynasty, to live in luxury, and we're ha- and for some reason we're happy about that. Yes, the queen does not cost us individually uh, that much. As I, I believe it's less than fifty pence from everyone per year. But like you say, to have one one family live in absolute luxury while we have at least four million children in poverty, it's a disgrace. Mm. And we we look at other Western countries. I mean, America for all its faults. It has no monarchy. Ireland, uh, no monarchy. France, no monarchy. Uh, Germany doesn't have a monarchy, right? No, Germany doesn't have a monarchy. Germany doesn't have a monarchy. <laughs> yeah, I was just double checking. I, I, I'm just trying to remember which ones don't have monarchies and which ones do. Spain has a monarchy, I'm pretty sure. And so yeah, is Denmark yeah. and Netherlands, yes. Um, yeah. It's an outdated system. And it's, you know what, maybe you could argue maybe it would be good for tradition. I would have no problem with the royalty, uh, the royal family, any royalty in any Western society, if they paid their own way. If they can, oh. 
because yes, I, I do think they have um, a right to claim their titles, as was given to them through um, through uh, history, his, like a historical affiliation. I think that's okay, but I don't think it's okay for them to to keep receiving grants from the public to live their life. Um, yes, if you were the the great descendant of King Henry VIII, oh right, good for you. You are you are now um, traditionally the king of of England. That's that's fantastic, great. But I don't want to. I, I don't want to pay for you purely based on a historical link. Yeah. Um, no. You know, what? claim your celebrity title. Go yeah, and even and even at that, like you know, a pretty mucky historical link. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, it's not even a very direct line. It's just sort of, it's sort of people's cousins who are also married to their cousins and other sisters that are also their brother and stuff like that. Like, it's it's pretty murky water. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. We live in a time where uh, fame is so... Oh, and, and they come from a German lineage, which <laughs> even that isn't very Brexity. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just not the right thing, is it? <laughs> not that I bothered Farage, uh, with, uh, <laughs> no, whatever, his, whatever his wife does. Yes, I would say fame these days is so easily given. You know, people, you know, post their bodies on Instagram. Uh, they make stupid TikToks. They'll get fame. Good for them. Uh, do, do what you want. I don't, have the, I don't have a problem with the royal family being famous. I really don't have a problem with it. Because, you know, um, it's just like any other celebrity, really. And I think celebrities are good entertainment for the, for the people. Um, I mean, I don't get entertained by it. But, you know, uh, if other people do, fantastic. I just don't want to have to pay for other people's entertainment. But oh, yeah, I would rather pay for a DVD of Shrek too. <laughs> which probably does more for you than the Queen does. I mean, I think just a quick disclaimer in here as well. Like, it's not Irish Republicanism that I'm promoting here. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not coming from that side of the argument. You know, I'm coming from like a Scottish Republican stance. Um, but yeah, I just it made me uneasy to watch the gold-plated piano, you know, in the corner of the room that was. You know, well, people, well, she says it's all tough for everyone this year, you know, and she's got a gold piano in the corner. Um, you know, I just, I just don't, I just do not see it. I just do not see the need, you know, this, this, this figurehead, this old aging out of touch figurehead that is just, and even people will just turn around and say, yeah, but she's a figurehead. She doesn't have any power. Yeah, no, but we're still paying her yes. to live in houses. Like, do you yes. know what I mean? She's basically uh, an over glorified house sir if you can say anything about that but you know it's just, it honestly it just, bar it just boils my blood that we have and never mind the monarchy i mean the government really you know to have four million children living in poverty and for you to be in power and then for people to vote you back in which i just do not think is good enough either but even aside from that there's no need for it in the modern democracy there's no need for it in the modern society um mm. i really hope scotland doesn't choose to have its own monarchy um mm. And I, I hope that even if we do, it's not from the House of Windsor. It's from, you know, it's a sort of offshoot of the House of Windsor, if you know what I mean. Um, and not generally don't want Queen Elizabeth to be head of state. There is, I'm reminded of a sketch from the early spitting image, like the one back in the 80s. It was... I look on the royal, of the royal family. Now, I've looked ev everywhere for this clip again. I can't find it, but I remember watching it way back in 2009, 2010, long, long time ago. And 
it was the royal it was the royal family in the in Buckingham Palace, and they were doing their taxes. They were doing their calculations. The queen the queen herself was on her typewriter, um, and I don't remember exactly what the figure was, but she was like, "Oh, it's it's such a difficult year." Uh, so I I deducted the tax, the water, the the electricity, and uh, before I had we had eight million nine hundred thousand seven hundred and sixty four pounds. And after doing all those calculations, we we now have eight million nine hundred sixty and the exact yeah, same figure. Yeah, the same number. Yeah. And, and then everyone was like, "Oh no, that's ghastly! We really need to be making more cuts. Uh, we need to be cutting more corners here at Buckingham Palace." And then, and then one of them one of them was like, um, "I can't remember which member it was, but um, they're like, we should really uh, not be living in such an opulent lifestyle. Should we be making some sort of gesture to the poor?" And then all, like all of them just like turn towards the camera, put the thumbs <laughs> against their noses, and go and and, and do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, classic split image. I just think in in such difficult times as these, to have something that reminds you just how much they live in in such extravagance and such glamour and celebrity and and everything. I just, I, I honestly, I'm just disgusted by it, and it's just. You know, the the more I watched it, the more upset I got, and I think it's you know I think it's I think it's just a sign of me getting older now that I'm just getting more and more wound up. But you know, it, it's but it's not been a sentiment that's gone away. I think we've mm. had this sentiment for a long, long time. Um, mm. I mean, even going back to the times of Burns and stuff like that, when he wrote about you know that man's a man and everything like that, and 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 that sort of that thinking that scottish renaissance thinking of, of egalitarianism well really it's it's french revolutionary thinking but yeah. even back then that sentiment's always been there even even in peak union times you know mid-victorian uh, pre-world war one days you know that sentiment's been there um it's, and it hasn't gone away it's 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 very weird um certainly from my point of view i have questioned royalty from as young as five mm-hmm I I, mean, I remember the images of the Queen Mother of, of Queen Elizabeth uh, on my television uh, back in the nineties. Uh, I remember watching her um, asking like my grand my grandma who that was, um, not knowing anything about the Queen. But then I got then they explained the royal family to me the concept of royal family, and I thought to myself, why like even as young as five I was questioning how unfair this was, um, because I was living in. I wouldn't say squalor, but I was living in a, in a wee town in the north coast of Scotland uh, that isn't exactly well off. But I was questioned, why does one person get so much when other people... Uh, because, like, this person on the on the television set, she didn't have, like, wings. She didn't have... Uh, she wasn't glowing like a Super Saiyan. Uh, I watched Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid. Um, like, she didn't have, like, fireballs coming out of her hands. So I was wondering why, why, why do we give so much to one person, and why do we worship one person like this? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, like the the idea of religion was still new to me at the time, and you know I, I was open to the idea of Jesus because you know he could do all these things like turn water to wine, and I, I was I, you know I was totally up for that. I mean I didn't know what wine was, but I was totally up for that. You know, splitting the loaves, splitting the fish, but this was just one woman, just one old woman that yeah. looked no different from my yeah. from my own grandma. So. Yeah, um, an independent Scotland. What would I want for an independent Scotland? I would want a referendum on <laughs> on, on the question of just just referendums all the time. Referendums yep, all the never time. Never end them. Never end them. Um, let's have a referendum for literally anything. 
But I would want a referendum on the status of the royal family here in Scotland. Um, and I'm surprised that the likes of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm surprised the likes of Canada, New Zealand, uh, Australia haven't had uh, similar referendums. Um, however, the Queen does not seem to be doing m much for uh, the Commonwealth countries. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but there is a symbolic thing about this. Uh, and I'm certain there's anti-monarchists in the, in the Commonwealths, in the Commonwealth countries, um, that I think we would need to reopen a debate once Scotland became independent. Should Queen Elizabeth still be head of state in all these other countries? Um, I, I always refer to her now as Mrs. Windsor. Mrs. Windsor. So, Mrs. Windsor, yes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it'd be good to see Mrs. Windsor run a presidential campaign. You know, I think that'd be a very interesting <laughs> kind of like way to do it, you know. I, um, I mean, I don't, I think a Zimmer frame might break or something like that, but you know, there's, <laughs> I'm just looking for silver linings here. Um, well, you know, it just, honestly, the, there would be one thing I'd compromise on. And I've said this before, and I, I've said it again, you know, if, if we want to have a modern society, I don't think we need a monarchy. But if we do need a monarchy, I think we must follow suit from our Nordic neighbours and uh, our folks around the corner in the Netherlands because what they do is they don't say to the, the monarch, right, we are going to pay this to you and everything like that. Obviously, they have to because or for state occasions and the upkeep of, of the one palace or yes. maybe the one palace and the one house they have. But essentially, the rest of the time, you can do what you want, right? Yes. If you want to go work, and I think uh, it's something like the someone from one of these countries I spoke about previously, you know, works in America in a non-profit, you know, just doing stuff like that. Knock your, you know, knock your socks off, do what you want. Even in the, in the eventual Scottish Defence Forces, if, you know, a, a prince or someone wants to do it, then I'm, I'm happy for them to do that and, and earn a living that way. But I think if I was to choose one person, I think I would honestly choose the ones that have just left. You know, it would be Harry and Meghan, you know, a symbol of, mm -hmm. of diversity, of, of modernization, of someone who's probably not related to Mrs. Windsor anyway. But yeah, I'd choose them because I think they, they get it. You know, they get the need for modernization as well. Well, the one thing I actually know, scratch everything I've said, <laughs> I would have a monarchy for Scotland and it would be run by Shrek. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it was coming. Of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he's got the accent. Why not? Why not? Exactly. Um, okay. So, Douglas Ross this week realised that gaining ground for the upcoming elections was going to be a bit more of an uphill struggle than he'd realised. <laughs> After it was leaked that the PM called devolution a disaster on a Zoom call with MPs from Northern England this week. Douglas Ross was quick to say that the PM didn't actually mean what he said originally. He meant something entirely different, using words that he didn't use. So as far as I'm aware, what happened was Boris Johnson was in a Zoom call with a Northern Tory MP research group type thing. And for some reason, the subject of devolution had come up. And he labelled it a disaster and Tony Blair's biggest mistake. Immediately after that, Douglas Ross came in and said, no, that isn't actually what he meant. He didn't actually mean that devolution's a disaster. The Prime Minister is, of course, um, a, a defender and a key champion of devolution and him himself being Mayor of London. So, so Douglas Ross saves the day. But then a video emerges of him saying, no, the only way to save the Union is to get rid of the Scottish Parliament. So does he save the day or doesn't he? 
Um, Brian, what's just your reaction to this utter shit show of, of an administration? I think if we try and find any, uh, if we spend too long trying to find coherence in the Conservatives' uh, arguments, I think we'll be here all night. Oh, um, this will be a very long podcast. Uh, we know what the Conservatives think of devolution. Um, they were, of course, against it uh, in the original referendums for the Scottish Parliament. Uh, and I don't see why their, why their tunes have changed. I mean, if you look at the Conservatives now in the Scottish Parliament, they're losing. They're losing badly. Hmm. It's not in their benefit to be in support of Scottish devolution. They, and they are right. The Scottish Parliament is, the, is one of the key factors in the breakup of the, of the United Kingdom. By getting rid of that catalyst, would they save the union? They would force. It was. It would be more of a, a way to keep Scotland in by force. Um, I mean, the people of Scotland would. I, I dare say this would actually accelerate the drive for independence. And I dare say uh, Scotland would get its independence one way or another. Unfortunately, I don't think um, whatever way would with, without a parliament. I don't think that would be in the Tories' liking. Um, I don't I think it, neither way would be in the, Tories, in the Tories liking, but they would have a massive problem on their hands if they did get rid of the Scottish Parliament. What I think, um, I think Douglas Ross might, you know, he, I think he might be sympathetic to the idea of the Scottish Parliament, of Scottish devolution. But ultimately, I think for him, the thing that's most important is keeping Scotland in the Union. And I think I wouldn't put it past him to, to, devolve, uh, to get rid of the Parliament. I wouldn't put it past him. But he's working with what he's got, and he needs to win votes. He is oh. he he will like he doesn't need to win votes from Labour and Lib Dems. He also needs to win votes from uh, non diehard SNP members, ones that are swithering, oh. and he's trying to appeal to them. Yeah, it's one way to split the no vote, really, isn't it? You know, or the or the no voting parties. You know, Labour who brought this in, um, and the Conservatives trying to rip it away again. You know, and and that's one way to to kind of have them all singing off the same hymn sheet for when, you know, the inevitable happens. Um, you know, it, it just... I, I sometimes give up with Douglas Ross in that sense, you know. There are just moments when I think, oh, he's kind of got it together. I think he's going to be a bit of a challenge. And then, you know, everything else around him kind of falls to the ground. Um, he's just probably one of the most unluckiest men in the world. But he is a referee, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> but I think I was listening to Political the other day, and they were talking about this, and they said, you know, the Scottish Parliament essentially saved the Scottish Conservative Party because the Scottish Conservative Party didn't really have a voice pre-Scottish Parliament. So what you have is you have this now this vehicle to to run political campaigns to get your voice heard. They were immediately the third party in there at, um, at its inception. Um, because obviously you had the Labour Lib Dem government and you had the SNP and then you had Tories. So, you know, it essentially saved them. And I mean, yes. you know, the, they've, they've had great characters come out of there in the sense of like a political, like political athletes really, you know, in the sense of Ruth Davidson. Mm -hmm. You know, she was just, I mean, you've got to give her credit. She was good at what she did. Of course. Be, be a, like, you know, the worst, one of the worst people to, to sat in the parliament or not, you know, she's, she's mm -hmm. clever. Um, and I really think that the, the agenda they push um, probably isn't this neoliberalistic hard line free market at all costs 
as what they probably perpetuate down in England. Um, so possibly even that, you see the differences begin to, to, to come about. You've heard talk this week of, of the Scottish Conservatives just breaking off entirely from the UK Conservative Party and, and kind of just being separate. However, when they send their MPs down there, it's, it then becomes a sort of ergo kind of coalition type thing. Yeah. But really, I think what we have at the crux of the matter is a minority rule in Scotland trying to impose its will on the Scottish people yes. that they are democratically elected to vote for in a referendum, mm-hmm. trying to take it away from them for the benefit of the parliament down in England. If you want to yes. type up an argument for voting yes, be my guest. But I think I've just written you one there. One hundred percent. Yes, you're right. Uh, that is one thing I didn't consider uh, that the parliament actually has given the Conservatives a you know a catalyst for their own revival. Um, you know, because all of a sudden the Conservative, the Scottish Conservatives have a reason to exist again. Um, Post Thatcher days, we all thought. I say we all thought. I wasn't even alive back then. <laughs> uh, but certainly the Scottish thoughts that the, the Conservatives are now irrelevant. Like, we don't need the Conservatives anymore. We now have Labour. Um, the SNP weren't even, I think, more than a thing back then, but they weren't as major a force, nearly major a force as they are now. Um, because w- when the Parliament opened, this was the start of the the machine to get Scottish independence working. And now that and suddenly the Conservatives, the Scottish Conservative and Unionist Party had a reason to exist once more. And that's why they did so well in the 2016 election, or as well as they could do. And now uh, we're seeing the Conservatives being run so badly and not not actually standing up for any material change or um, substantial change in uh, policy or anything like that. They now stand on the one party, uh, on on the one policy, say no to NDRF2. And we're seeing them tank again in the polls. One poll put them at third third, uh, after Labour who were on a very bad third uh, on, the, on the last election. It's a hard sell for the Scottish Conservatives who want Brexit uh, in a nation that voted 62% to stay in the EU, um, who, you know, a nation that feels in its bones European, you know, pre-union. Mm-hmm. It's, a hard, it's a hard sell, you know, and, and we're not, a, you know, as, as much as Adam Smith created the free market, or the, the essentially the free market. We're not necessarily that now. You know, we, we, we come through the 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and we're now probably more socialist leaning than what we were back then, um, which in a, in a sense makes us very wary of, of neoliberal policy. Um, and I think that it is a hard sell, that in itself, but then Brexit on top of it, I just can't see it happening. So really we're in that situation now where we've seen the polls, we kind of have a feeling about what's going on. Um, but th- this, this next year will be very, very interesting, I think, to, to watch in Scottish politics, to see, what, to see what, the, you know, what stalls are put out, what's on the stall, what's not on the stall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, they had the chance to save the Union years ago. Yes. Um, a federal United Kingdom would have saved the Union. I would have been happy in that. Mm-hmm. Um, giving what we owe instead of giving everything and getting something back in return. But I am just very wary that I, I just cannot see, at this present moment, on this night, I cannot see Douglas Ross gaining seats in, well, in the upcoming election. Would you like to hear the latest uh, prediction of seats? Go for it, fire away. Well, the SNP are on 72. The Conservatives are on 24. Oh, yeah. 
that's, and that's second ra- place. Majority. That is yeah. second place. That's second place. Tw- 24th, second place <laughs> against 72. What? And, and 72 including the Greens? Uh, so, actually, if you want to include the Greens who are on nine, that would be. Uh, oh, goodness, I can't math. Uh, what, what, uh, 81. That'd be 81 seats for uh, independent supporting. That is that is a thumping majority. A that thumping is majority. that is a thumping majority. Even that. if you added the Liberal Democrats and the Labour seats, uh, which would be five and nineteen. So, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Labour <laughs> don't get any constituency seats at the next election. Zero. Fat solid zero. Um, they do just as well as the Greens in the constituencies. Um, so the so Labour would uh, if you add Labour and Liberal Democrats five, so it'll be twenty-four. Uh and the Conservatives also have twenty-four. So um that is forty-eight. Forty-eight seats within for the unionist MSPs. That that's you know that's... half of, of, of the of the independent supporting MSPs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think if you told me um if you were to ask me the question, is independence inevitable in 2014, let's say July 2014, you asked me, is independence inevitable? I would have said, mm. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I would have been right, obviously, then. Um, <laughs> but I think if you ask me now, on the 20th of November 2020, is independence inevitable? I would now say yes. Um, mm. I think it's just a matter of time. The, the more mismanagement, the more uh, you know, forcing us to get out of the EU you know, an institution mm. that we actually like and, and gives us kind of hope for the future. Yeah. Um, it's a hard sell, and I just don't see Douglas Ross getting this round again. Yeah. I don't see Boris Johnson helping him massively either. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing as well, uh, like, I think we all, need, we all need to remember that what will be, will be. And, but it's more about how this happens. Like, it's not a question of if it will happen, but it's a question of how it happens. Um, and the Conservatives uh, can do whatever they want to stop it. Um, like, they can try every trick in the book. And yes, maybe they might knock us back by uh, a few runs in the ladder here and there. But, like, the machine is already working. And, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily believe in good and evil here, but, you know, I believe the right side will always come out, come out on top. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the BH Scotchcast and thank you so much for joining us today. Stay safe and we'll catch you next time.